So welcome back. Here we are. We're in our study of Galatians. How many of you are enjoying that? How many of you are enjoying going through the book of Galatians? Right? What are we learning? We're learning about the gospel, the whole gospel, and nothing but the gospel. So help us God. Amen. Title of today's message is this. Follow grace. That's the title. Follow grace. So Paul continues the letter to this, these churches in the region of Galatia. We're in chapter 5, verse 7, and he says, You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? So last week, the first part of chapter 5, the first six verses, we learned about the importance of of standing. The Christian life is, is about standing. About standing and what? Standing in the freedom, the Christian liberty, the freedom that we have in Jesus. And by the way, standing is not a passive thing. Standing isn't just like this. When the Bible talks about standing in freedom, it's not about just chilling out in freedom. It's about being empowered in freedom. Standing, like secure on the freedom that you have in Christ Jesus. When the Bible says put on the the armor of God and then stand, having done all, stand. It's not about, okay, I've done everything I need to do, now I just kind of chill out and whatever. No. It's about being ready, prepared, polished up, you know. Come on now. It's an active thing. Standing is active. So Paul talked about standing in our freedom, and then he jumps right in to telling us that the Christian life is also about running. It's a race. And Paul uses that analogy, that picture, often in his writing about the Christian life, that it is a race. And we're reminded that we got to run it. It's a reminder that we're not supposed to just sit still. Our Christian lives are supposed to be lives that are actually lived out. Movement, action. We got to go from being just hearers to doers, right? I'm going to tell you something. Let me just be clear about this because the Bible is very clear about this. Hearing a sermon is not living the Christian life. It's not. Listening to a bunch of podcasts during the week is not living the Christian life. Now, it's feeding yourself. It's preparing yourself. It's getting girded up in truth. It's, it's, it's important. It's part of it, but it's not the end of it. It's just the filling up part. It's not the pouring out part. It's the hearing part, but not the doing part. The Christian life, yeah, there, you got to hear, but you got to do. We got to go from truth then to action. You need truth, but it should be leading you to action. You need to hear, but the hearing should be leading you to doing, running, racing. The text for today, again, Galatians 5, verse 7 again. You were running a good race, but who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Continuing, Paul says that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who's throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. All right, point one. Be careful who you follow. 
Be careful who you follow, who you listen to, who you hang out with. So I read a story this week as it relates to this. And there was this woman who attended a large funeral at a church one afternoon. Well, she had, had appointments uh, to attend to that day. Um, so she decided not to join the procession of cars that were going to the cemetery, but instead she would just go her separate way after the memorial part of the service at the church. Well, after the service, she drove off the parking lot as planned. However, as she reached the street, something happened. The officer who was guiding the traffic and everything just was in a hurry, slapped a sticker on her car and motioned her to go. She started to roll down her window to say, but, 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 I'm going to go the other direction. It was too late. He was on to the next car. So what happened? She just moved along behind the car in front of her. She was stuck, feeling awkward. She had no choice but to follow the long line of cars that were winding their way to the cemetery. Along the route, she noticed an entrance to a supermarket, and she thought, here's my way out. I can just quick left into the supermarket parking lot. Nobody will miss me, and I'll be on to all of my appointments. And so she saw the opportunity, and she took it left in the parking lot. Woo! I got out of that one. To her horror, she looks in her rearview mirror, and the entire procession of cars behind her followed her into the supermarket parking lot, and it took the officers over 30 minutes to straighten everything out and get everybody back on their way to the cemetery. Yeah. We got to be careful who we follow. We got to be careful who we follow. Paul tells these believers, you were running a good race. Who caught in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? You were going the right direction, but, but who are you following now? Because somebody's leading you the wrong direction. In the case of these Christians in the region of Galatia, it was some teachers and preachers that are referred to as Judaizers. And these convincing, super smart, eloquent, you know, religious people that, that commanded people to listen to them and follow them, they were bringing people back into religious works. They were, they were taking the procession that was going forward in grace, and they were cutting in, and they were, whoa, let's go left in the supermarket, follow me. And it was actually a U-turn that they were doing. They were taking these believers that were standing in freedom, walking in freedom, the gospel of Jesus Christ, of what Christ has done, and they were moving forward in grace, and these Judaizer teachers were saying, oh, we're going to take them a U-turn right back to the law, right back to works, right back into man-made religious stuff. You know that we're going to end up at whatever destination that the people we follow are leading us to. In other words, check this out. If you follow a garbage truck, you're going to eventually end up at the dump. I mean, think about that. But I mean, really, think about that. I shared that with my son the other day. He's like, what are you preaching about tomorrow, Dad? I'm like, well, this is what I'm talking about. And I just gave him that thing. You know, it's, it's about who we follow is important. That's one of the points I'm going to be making. And 
And for example, if you follow a, a garbage truck long enough, you're going to eventually end up at the dump. He's like, wow, that's good. That's a good analogy. I'm like, praise God, it was, son. I, I appreciate the encouragement. And, but it's true. Think about that in your life. If you follow a garbage truck long enough, oh, I can handle it. I'm just going to follow a couple blocks. I'm just going to kind of, you know, but, but I'll eventually, it'll all work out. If you follow a garbage truck, you're going to end up at the dump. That's where you're going to end up. You follow people who are running after sin and lust, you're going to end up right there with them, living in sin and lust. You will. Oh, but I'm, I'm, I'm a big boy. I can handle that. Oh, yeah? You know how many stories I have, including one of my own, about how that doesn't work out that way? Follow that garbage truck, end up at the dump. Follow someone who's legalistic, and you're going to find yourself right there bound up in legalism. Jumping through religious hoops, trying to perform, trying to, trying to get God to, to be pleased with you again today. However, you follow those who are chasing after God's heart. You follow those who, are, who are, have embraced the grace and the work of Jesus in a running in the freedom that that brings, the liberty that that brings, you're going to find yourself getting closer and closer to the Lord. It matters who we follow. It matters greatly. My senior year of high school, I started following the wrong crowd. Kind of finally grew up. I got big. I was a football player now. And all of a sudden, the popular, popular crowd was like, hey, Eric, come hang out with us. So we go hang out at the lake and and they're, they're smoking dope, and they're, they're drinking, and they're this and that. And I can't believe I'm skiing behind a boat that they're, they're, they're driving. That was insane and stupid of me. But I was being stupid just even to be there and to go back the next week. I started hanging out with the wrong crowd, following the wrong people who were doing that left turn in the supermarket. I'm giving that lady a hard time, aren't I? I mean, she was just trying to get on with her day, probably buy some food to bless the family later. But anyway, um, Holy Spirit intervened in my life. He grabbed hold of me. He convicted me. Now, I was born again. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I thank God. He didn't let me get away with it. I had so much discomfort, and I thank God that he got a hold of me before I went down that path myself. Never done drugs, by the way, never. I just think it's only by his grace, only by his grace, only by his grace, because I was following the people that were about ready to take me to that dump place of life. You want to talk about a dumpster fire that we talked about a few weeks ago? That's where my life and what it would have been if I would have kept following those people. We will become and end up like those who we follow. You know, I talk about public education a lot. And again, when I talk about public education, I'm not talking about individual teachers. There are, there are Christian brothers and sisters who are in that environment who are being so faithful and who are bringing the light of Christ Jesus into a, a very dark arena. And, and it's the system that's broken in our nation. It's a system that's broken in our education arena in this country. It's the system that's broken, but it's very broken. 
And we have kids who are following and, and, and engaging. They're getting behind and following a secular, truly anti-Christ worldview system. And they're following for 15,000 hours, K through 12. They're following these people that are leading them far from God, far from a biblical worldview. They're being influenced, programmed, groomed by a system that's anti-Christ, anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-family, anti-righteousness. And then we're surprised in the end of it all when they graduate high school and they go off on their own. They're not following Jesus. Why are they following Jesus? It matters who we follow. You follow a garbage truck, you're going to end up at the dump. King David, the man after God's heart, has this to say about the importance of who we follow. It's found in Psalm chapter 1, the first psalm. The first verse of the first psalm says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk, does not follow, in the step with the wicked, or stand in the way of the sinner, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates, as Michael said yesterday, has his nose in the law day and night, the Word of God day and night. That person, the one who doesn't allow their walk to get hijacked and follow that garbage truck, I'm paraphrasing now, hang with me, right? That person is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields fruit in, in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. You see the difference? Who we follow matters. In this case, the case of Galatians, Paul was telling these believers, stop following those persuasive Judaizer teachers who are doing a U-turn right now with God's grace and are taking you back into self-effort, back into outward expressions, because it was leading them away from grace. It was leading them away from freedom, from Christian liberty. See, who and what we follow matters. So I want to ask you this, and you can just even close your eyes and just, just take this in, and I want you to ask yourself this question. Who and what are you following? Who and what are you following? Who do you listen to? What are you listening to? Has something cut in and sidetracked you from living in God's grace? Maybe the world has stepped in. Maybe the world's cut in. Maybe you're consuming this stuff of the world. It's all around us. It's saying, take me, take me, eat, eat, follow, 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 all the time. Can't drive down the road without it. I mean, your phone, it just makes me, it's crazy. Maybe the world's cut in. You following that junk? Maybe legalism has crept back into your life. Man, you started off just feeling so free and just following Jesus and so in love. And it's just all about time with him and being wowed by him and being having your mind renewed. And, and it was so exciting. But now you find yourself just in this bogged down kind of religiosity again as you're trying to prove and, and be 
be that super spiritual person. But it's legalism that's cut in on your life. Maybe it's your flesh. Maybe you're, you're kind of just getting lazy and you're using grace as an excuse for just continuing to be who you've been in the past and continuing to go back to the, to the things of the flesh. Well, God's grace. I'm living in grace. It's okay. I'm living in grace. He understands. Yeah, he understands. That's why he gave you grace. So that you didn't have to be a slave to that sin any longer. So who and what are you following? Has anything or anyone, as Paul said, cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Spend some time today, this week, really analyzing your life. Be real. Ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes. And you better be careful that you're not the one that leading, who's leading others astray, because here's what Paul had to say. He says, the one who is throwing you into confusion, the one who is leading you astray, the one who's causing you to do a U-turn, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. I'm going to tell you what, people follow you. Oh, I'm a nobody. Nobody follows me. Nobody follows. No, people are watching. People are watching your life, and you should want them to watch your life. And if you're afraid that people are watching your life, then that's a problem. If you're a parent, I guarantee you people are watching your life. You're creating mini-me's. Oh, my kids are all grown up. They're still watching. Grandparents, they're watching. You're influencing people. How are you leading them? With your words, with your actions, with what you believe, with what you're speaking into and over their lives. How are you leading them? Point number two. Don't go along to get along. Don't go along to get along. Verse 11, Paul continues, Brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, if I'm still preaching that law, that circumcision stuff, why am I, still, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go all the way and emasculate themselves. Somebody's clapping right now. <laughs> wow. You know what this scripture, you know, you know what Paul's showing us? He's not one of those guys who's going along to get along. Because Christians don't go along to get along. Christians don't go along to get along. He could have tried to fit in with the other teachers who were teaching circumcision and, and the Judaizers. He could have just gone, I know that teaching, man. I grew up in that teaching. I can teach it better than all of them can teach it. And if I just kind of add this little thing back in, everybody will still embrace me and love me. Instead of wanting to kill me, they'll just give me money and shower me with all kinds of gifts, and I'll be the hero, and they'll want to hang out with me. I'll fit in. If I just go along, just this little thing, that's cool, right? Paul wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. He said, if I was doing it, hey, I'd fit in. But as you can tell, I'm not welcome in that crowd anymore because I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm not going to lead people away from grace and back in to the old way. He could have toned it down. 
He could have softened his approach. He He could have become politically, spiritually, politically, or whatever you want to call it, correct. He could have done that. He could have gone a little woke just to appeal to a bigger audience. He could have done that. It would have been easy. Just a little thing. It's not a big deal. So what? They got to get circumcised. Is it really that big of a deal? Apparently, it was a pretty big deal. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't go along to get along. You know, some people tell me that I'm, not everybody tells me this, but, but I've had at least two people maybe in my life tell me, hey, Pastor, you know, you're just brave to talk about those things. You, you know, I, I really like the fact that you speak up and that you, you talk about that kind of stuff and, and the evils of abortion and all that LGBTQ stuff that's hurting our children, the lies of CRT that's just creating a, a racist nation again. It's just, it's ridiculous, right? The Marxist movement of BLM and and. And I've said it before, I'll say it again, that the Democrat Party, I believe, is, a, is part of the Marxist movement. It just, it is, let's call it what it is. And so I throw out topics, I'll even talk boldly about what I feel convinced of as it relates to, to evolution and, and creation. And I talked about it, did a Daily Dose recently about Halloween. I mean, if I'm convinced by God about something, I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to share it. I feel like that's, God's given me a platform, I'm supposed to use it for that purpose. And not be shy. But, but let me tell you what. But I've also been told this. I've been told this by my peers even. And others. You know what, Eric? If you just tone it down a little bit, you don't have to go to all those places and talk about all those things. You can just kind of rein it in a little bit and kind of just, 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 just take these topics right here. Don't worry about those other topics. And if you did that, then and took that middle road, toned it down, that Evident Life Church, it would grow in numbers. The church would grow. You'd have more people showing up at Evident Life Church. And I I don't know, I just can't do that, right? I mean, I look at it, you know, Jesus didn't take the middle road. He didn't tone anything down. And at the end, he's like, you're going to leave me too, Peter? You guys are going to leave me too? Everybody else is leaving me. I'm just speaking truth. I'm just saying the hard things. Everybody thinks, I just want the red letters of the Bible. I just want the words of Jesus. Then read the words of Jesus, okay? It's some of the hardest words in Scripture. He didn't tone it down. He didn't go woke. He didn't choose the middle ground. He did none of that kind of stuff. He was Jesus. He said some hard things. Paul did the same. Truth is truth. Got to speak it. Don't go along to get along. But I got to tell you, I'm, I'm a, if there was a soapbox up here, you know, I would get on it right now <laughs> and, and talk a little bit on, on a soapbox. But, and, um, you know, it's interesting. There's often times when just it's me and my frustration and my disappointment you know we all deal with frustration and disappointment and just we get, things hit us and we just are like uh and we go to god and and god straightens out our thinking and talks us off the ledge and 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 i thank god for that but there's a frustration i have and and i'm speaking to the choir i'm preaching the choir so i'm not i'm not yelling at anybody here okay 
Maybe if you're online, I'm yelling at you, but that's, I'm just kidding. But, um, but I'm just amazed at, at how many Christians say they want a pastor who will just speak truth and not hold back and speak into the things that we're dealing with in this life and bring the Bible and just, just go at it, right? That they, that they want that. But then they don't get behind that with their time, talent, and treasure. And again, I'm, this is the choir here, okay? So I love you all and I appreciate you. And, and last week was so humbling, I almost started crying when you all stood up and just, and just appreciated me. I was, it was unbelievable um, and so encouraging. But, but even this week, you know, I, I, get, I hear the other things. And I'll get off that soapbox now. Thanks for letting me just kind of talk that through a little bit. I appreciate that. It's hard. And I, I just believe that the body of Christ, we are so weak because we are so fickle and we are so take the easy route kind of people. And we see that as we're so ineffective as salt and light, as we're, we're, we're so shy to speak out. We've gone woke. So many Christians and pastors and churches and movements have gone woke. They keep trying to just fit in and go along to get along. And I'm going to tell you what, If it's 300 and no more like Gideon had, I'm good with that, if that's what it is. But, but I believe that, that as we are just faithful to the Lord, He's going to use us more and more. So anyway, that's my soapbox. I'm getting off of it. But I want to ask you something. I want to ask you something individually now. And ask yourself this. Where are you going along to get along in life? Is there an area where you're just going along to get along? where you're willing to tone it down, where you're willing to not speak truth because you don't want to cause any waves. And I'm not talking about getting in people's faces and, and just trying to be that jerk in the room. Don't be a jerk. Be Jesus, okay? That was good. That's a good quote. I'm going to put that on the website maybe. <laughs> don't be a jerk. Be Jesus instead, right? But in, in the way of Jesus, speak. And show up and love and care enough that you don't let people just keep going down that path that leads to the dump. Okay? Follow grace. That's my encouragement. Paul doubles down on his criticism of those who are taking people the wrong direction, causing people to do a U-turn away from God's grace. And this is what he has to say about him. And we got an amen on this earlier. As for those agitators, those politically correct woke Christians, we'll just, I'm going to call them that, I wish they would go all the way and emasculate themselves. And I don't think Paul said it quite that kindly. I think that translators have, 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 have uh, uh, softened it up a little bit, but we'll leave it at that. So let's go to point number three. Really quick before I get in trouble here. Point number three. No one is free to sin. No one's free to sin. Who we follow matters. Don't go along to get along. And hey, no one is free to sin. No one. Following God's grace won't lead you into sin and it won't keep you in sin. Period. End of story. It just won't. Paul says this, verse 13, you brothers and sisters were called to be free. 
I'm called to be what? You're called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So this is where Paul begins to make sure the Galatians aren't taking the message of grace to the wrong place. He wants to make sure that they don't swing from legalism to licentiousness. So let's be clear. Freedom in Christ is not and never will be a license to sin, an excuse to sin. But I've got God's grace. It's all good. My, I know I got this problem. I got this addiction. I got this thing. I had it a long time. It's been on me for decades. But it's God's grace. That's good. That's good. People who sin and then quote God's grace are missing the mark. They're not understanding grace. And I would go so far as they're not walking in it. I love the passage of Titus 2, 11 through 13, which says that for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. God's grace offers salvation to who? All people. It teaches us, God's grace teaches us to do what? To say, hey, everything's okay, I don't have to worry about anything anymore, I can just keep living like I was living before, but now i got a ticket to heaven. No, it doesn't say that. Paul reminds us, and he says very clearly, for the grace of God that brings salvation teaches us to say no. No. To ungodliness and worldly passions and to live a self-controlled upright and godly life in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of our glory and the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's empowering to me. When I grabbed hold of that scripture a couple decades ago, boom, it changed my thinking. It renewed my mind. It gave me a totally different perspective on this grace that Paul talks about, that Scripture has said that is mine, that I'm to walk in, that I'm to enjoy, that I'm to live in right now. A totally different perspective of grace. See, grace isn't just forgiveness. Forgiveness is forgiveness. We're forgiven. Grace is the power of God that saves us. It's the power of God that justifies you. That takes you from being a sinner to a saint. It's God's grace that paid the price that you cannot pay on your own. That's the power of God that would do that, that would take you out of darkness into light. That's God's powerful grace. And that same grace, Paul is saying, so we understand that same power of God that was able to justify you is the same power that's able to teach you and to walk you into holiness and away from sin. That's called sanctification. Where the old comes off and the new comes on. It's God's grace that continues to do that. 
It's God's power that does that, that's at work in you. And yes, there's still forgiveness. And yes, it is a process. But the freedom that Christ brings doesn't lead us into licentiousness. God's grace doesn't give us a free pass to continue sinning. God's grace is the power that enables us to stop sinning. Now that should get an amen. I'm going to tell you right now. Because God's heart, we now have God's heart. So we hate sin. We hate it. We hate it when, it, when our flesh rises up. We hate it when that happens. And so it's such good news to us to know that God's grace that's already begun this amazing good work in us is there to help us do that to that sin that's rearing its ugly head in our lives again. Smash it. Kill it. Stop it. Following God's grace. You know that you're following His grace if you're sinning less. I'm just saying, we want to, I think it's important that we take, we take note and, and, and look at the condition of our lives before the Lord. See if there's any sinful way in us. That's important. If something is worth doing, it's worth measuring. It's worth knowing. I mean, if, if following Jesus is, is worth doing, then we, we should be measuring that. And how, how are we doing? Are we, are we moving forward? Man, yeah, awesome, good, right? So we take, we take a look at our lives and we go, you know what? Five years ago, that sin, man, it used to own me. But today, I, you know what? I don't see it anymore in my life. That's God's grace at work in you. That's because you're following grace. And the same work that, that, that justified you is at work in you sanctifying you. It's not you. It's not you pulling yourself up from your bootstraps and stopping sinning, but it's you cooperating with God's heart, God's design, God's desire, and doing it in and by His grace and His grace alone. It says in 1 John 3, 6, No one who lives in Him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. The Christian life, if your Christian life is characterized by ongoing sin or more sin, then you're following the wrong person, you're following the wrong message, you're following the wrong doctrine. You're following a garbage truck. Now, I'm not talking about sinless perfection. Although I know God is big enough to where if we cooperate with him long enough, he can do the impossible. Amen? I don't know anybody that I've, I've seen live long enough for that. But I know God can do the impossible. But this sin, it's so big. No temptation that sees you except what's common to man. God's faithful. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, and he always provides a way out. That's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. That's some truth right there. Oh, but this sin's just too big. Oh, are you kidding me? Jesus was tempted in every way, yet was without sin. And he's the one empowering you to walk in grace now, to walk in true freedom. Follow grace. And like last week, our text leaves us with a call to love. So let's end with this in verse 14. 
For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 5.14. Love. The freedom that Christ brings doesn't lead us into legalism. God's freedom and His grace doesn't lead us into liberty or license or, or, or to sin. God's grace leads us into love. To love. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And we're never going to feel free and truly free until we truly love. Let's stand up. You know, love is the real liberty. When you're able to love your neighbor as yourself, when you're able to love those who think differently than you, those that even curse you, that hurt you, that cheat you, when you're able to love those that can't and won't do anything for you, that is when you know you're truly walking in freedom. You're truly walking and following grace. There's the evidence right there. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you that you've given us all we need for life and godliness. That you've given us grace. Lord, I ask that each one of us would have our eyes wide open. And God, that we would continue to be those who follow grace. 